And um, one, of the, one of the things that, that um, we've been talking about, we've been talking about Christmas as hope and, and, and each week. And, and today, though, is going to serve as um, almost like a, almost as a bridge sermon between what we've been talking about, Christmas, and our next sermon series starting in January. And so next, starting in a couple weeks, next week, we kind of wrap up the whole year. And, uh, um, and then the week after that, in two weeks, starting in January, uh, uh, we're starting a brand new series about a topic that, that, um, that you've certainly like thought about and heard about and, and people have all, all kinds of views about this. And we're gonna tackle, okay, what, but what does the Bible really say about this? And, and today is, again, the kind of the setup, almost the, the foundation for what we'll be talking about. And here it is, ready? I'm so excited for this. We're doing a series on heaven and hell what the Bible really says about the afterlife. Because I'm gonna imagine that we all have ideas or views or like, you know, I think it'll be like this or I hope it'll be like this or, or, or this idea like, well, you can't really know so it'll be a total surprise when we, when we get there or whatever, whatever the experience is. Or, but, but what does this really say about the afterlife? So starting in January, I hope you uh, come back and, as we, uh, as we jump into that. Um, today, we are in our series and, and wrapping up our series about Christmas, Christmas being hope. And, and week one, we talked about Christmas being hope um, for uh, forgiveness and that, and that you can have forgiveness because of Christmas, because of the birth of Jesus, we can experience forgiveness, like true, real forgiveness. And, and, and we looked at how, um, how in the Bible, even throughout the whole Old Testament, there's this like, we got like a, like a, almost like a red ribbon throughout and there's prophecies leading up to, leading eventually to the savior and, and all these prophecies find their fulfillment in, wouldn't you know it, the birth, life and death of Jesus. And, and we looked at how, how it's like the whole story of the Bible is this great arc all pointing to Jesus. And then we talked about that Christmas is hope for peace, that, that you and I can have peace and that Jesus, Jesus is even called the prince of Peace and and then last week we looked at at a, a, a kind of a weird word that you probably don't use in everyday language. It's certainly a biblical word, and it's even a Christmas word. It's the Christmas word that we that we uh, that we find in a few Christmas hymns, um, and that's this: that Christmas is hope for relationships. And the word we looked at is reconcile, and 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 how we can be reconciled with God, right? God and sinners reconciled. And, and we looked at how God, how like God allows us to be reconciled to him, but also part of that ministry and part of what he offers is that we can be reconciled with other people, that, that we have hope for relationships because of Jesus. Well, today for Christmas Eve, what we're talking about is, is that Christmas is hope for eternity, that Christmas is hope for eternity. And, and eternity is such a weird thing because you and I, I imagine if you and I sat down and we said, hey, what does eternity mean? You, you probably can tell me, oh, it means forever, like, you know, and unending and, and it, like, it's like future forever and it lasts forever. All right, great. And we, we don't have a problem understanding the concept, but we, it is like, it, we have a really hard time comprehending the actualness of eternity. And so we, whatever your view of eternity is, it's really hard to put into words forever. What does forever mean? What is that like, are we gonna be, when we talk about eternity, are we just doing the same thing over and over? And how can that be like, 
how can that be enjoyable? Is this just Groundhog's Day? Like literally over and over and over forever, right? In a million years, you won't be any closer to the end of eternity than when you started. Yeah, a million years. What could you possibly enjoy for a million years, right? There's nothing that you could do for a million years and enjoy, right? But I would beg to differ. A million years of Super Bowl wins for the 49ers, I, I would not, it would not be, I would not get old. That would be like wonderful, wonderful experience, right? A few amens, I didn't hear any, but I'm surprised by that. So what is eternity? And, and in your mind, whatever you think of eternity is, you have an, a view, an opinion, a view. Maybe you don't even believe in eternity and it's just like, well, I don't know about all that stuff. And, or maybe you have uh, this view of like, well, eternity and eternal life means this and I think it means this. Whatever your view is, okay, and I hope you're sitting down. Here we go, ready? What if Jesus' view of eternal life is different than yours? What if, what if what Jesus calls eternal life is not what you think it is? That would be worth knowing, right? As much as maybe we just take it for granted, especially kind of in church, we think about it and we just assume eternal life, but, but what does that mean? And how does Jesus define eternal life? Because I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, it's probably, not, not probably, it is different than what you think it is. So, what is eternal life? And, and in fact, the reason we're talking about this for Christmas is because the birth of Jesus, the whole reason for Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is to answer this question. What is eternal life? And to deal with this issue of, of eternity and eternal life. And, and that's, that's literally like his mission and purpose. And, and, and the reason we celebrate Christmas is because of this topic. The answers to this Question, Jesus had a very specific mission as to why he came, a very specific purpose. And it isn't, listen, it isn't to show us how to treat each other. It isn't to show us how to live. It isn't so that you learn how to love one another or treat your neighbor as yourself or, or do unto others. Those are, and that's a great byproduct of, of the lessons and the ministry and the teaching of Jesus, but that's not why he came. He didn't have to come so that you would learn how to love people. You don't need Jesus for that, to learn how to love people. You don't need Jesus to, to learn how to be nice to people. Jesus didn't come to earth to teach us that lesson, but he did. He did come for a very specific purpose, a very specific mission, and it has to do with eternity. So today we're going to dive into this, like Jesus's understanding and idea of eternity. Here's, what, here's where we're gonna start. We're gonna start with this statement and I, I hope by the end you'll say, okay, I'm convinced that's true. All right. There is a difference. Here it is. There is a difference between living and existing. There's a difference between living and just merely existing. This is what Jesus is gonna deal with. And, and to, to answer this, we're not gonna go to the, like the beginning of Jesus' life, though we traditionally do that during Christmas time. We go to the, the birth and we celebrate and we talk about the birth. And, and what we're gonna do though instead, and what we've been doing this month, is instead of saying, well, let's look at the beginning, we're, we're looking at the 
But the why of Christmas, why did Jesus have to come? Why was he born and what was the purpose? And so to do that, we're gonna look at actually the end of his life. We're gonna jump in at John 17. And this is, this is while he's having his final supper, his final meal with his disciples. It's the night he's gonna be betrayed and arrested. It's the night before he'll be crucified. He's at the end of his ministry. So all the teachings, all the miracles, all, the, all that stuff is now behind us. And now he's at the end and he's gonna offer up a prayer in John 17. And we're just gonna look at the first five verses and it's gonna give us some deep, really good insight into the, the mission and the reason, the purpose of Jesus and how he accomplished all of this. Today, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with the end and then we're gonna move to the beginning. And then we're, in, in the process, we'll make observations and we'll answer these questions of what is his mission and, and what is his understanding of eternal life? So here's the first thing that we'll see as we go through this. First, we see that Jesus finished his mission. He accomplished it. That he didn't, he didn't leave this life with things left undone, that he accomplished the mission, the purpose that he was given, the work he was given, the, 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 the mission he set out to do, he finished it. Here's what we see in John chapter 17. We'll start at verse four. It says this, Jesus is praying and he's praying to the father and he, in his prayer, he says this, I have brought you, the father, glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus did what he set out to do. He finished the work of the Father. Now, this is important to remember for later. Whatever his mission is, we haven't discovered that yet, but whatever the mission is, we've realized that Jesus says, I finished it. I accomplished it. I finished the work that you set out for me to do. Okay, whatever the mission is, he did it. Here's the next thing. And this is, I admit, this is weird. And, and, and of men, maybe of many of the kind of aha moments you'll have today, this is one of those where you might go, what? Huh, that's interesting. Here it is, ready? Jesus existed before he existed. What? That's not even good grammar. I know, it doesn't make sense to exist before you exist. But, but Jesus existed before he existed. Let me make another, this is, now I'm about to blow you away. If that, if that wasn't, you know, like an unfathomable wisdom coming from my lips, ready for this? Here we go, ready? Everyone exists. What? I didn't hear any surprises. Okay, no gasp. Everyone exists. Now that's, of course, like a, like a, like a self-evident statement. If you are, then you exist. Everyone that is, exists. But what's different with Jesus is that he existed before he existed. Here's what we mean. That before Jesus was born, he existed. Before you were born, you didn't exist. But before Jesus was born, he existed. Now let's look at this. Here's what he says in, in verse five. He's, again, he's still, all of this is a prayer to the Father. And he says this, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory, here it is, that I had with you before the world began. Before the world, before there was a world, before there was even a human race, before there was anything Jesus says, hey, God, it's time for me to come back and get the glory I had with you before it all began. Long before the birth of Jesus, long before the existence of any of this, he says, I was there with you and we, and we I, it's now time for me to return to that glory. Before Jesus existed, he existed. Before he was born, long before Christmas, 
there was Jesus. This was, Jesus was not just a man. He was a man, but not just a man. He's God who became flesh, and this event we call Christmas. He was born in a manger, in flesh, but God himself. It's this event that we celebrate tomorrow, literally. We celebrate this coming of God to flesh. So what is this mission, and how do you finish it? So let's start with the how. Jesus finished his mission. We already know that. But he finished his mission, what we're told, at the last hour. There's a particular term that John uses, and he uses this language specifically. And throughout his gospel, he mentions this, this, this moment, this time, and he calls it the hour. So let's look at what Jesus says. He go, we'll, go, we'll go back to first verse one to start now. All right, now we're gonna get some context as to how Jesus is gonna finish this mission, what his mission is and how he does it. So we read in verse one, it says this, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. So we're going again back to the beginning of the prayer. Father, and here it is, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. So what is this last hour? This hour, whatever this hour is, it, he says, has come. And so we see throughout John, throughout the book of John, John writes about this hour, this specific time period. Here's what we see in John chapter seven. He says this, at this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. Whatever this hour is, it wasn't here yet. So he wasn't arrested. A chapter later, Chapter eight, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, again, John tells us, because his hour had not yet come. It wasn't time. In God's grand timeline, his, his, like the, the whole plan, it hadn't come yet. This hour hadn't come. So we continue. Chapter 12, it says this. Jesus is now speaking, and he says, now my, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? And then he asks this, Somewhat rhetorical question. Father, save me from this hour? Shall I ask that? Save me? Whatever the hour is, he knows about it. Save me from this hour? And he says, no. No, I'm not gonna say that. It was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus says, am I supposed to say, now that, I, that I'm coming close to this hour, I should say, Father, please, please save me from this hour? And he says, no, no, no. This is why I came. This hour is the reason I'm here. I can't avoid this hour. And then we see in a chapter later, John 13, he writes about it again. And now we're given the answer. It says this, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come, and here it is, for him to leave this world and go to the Father. There it is. The hour is the death of Jesus. This hour, this all-important hour is the, is the end of Jesus's life here on earth. It's, it's the sacrifice that you and I depend on for forgiveness. Jesus tells us his mission. And, 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 and here's the thing, his entire life, like all of it, everything, like when you think of the, the life of Jesus, everything that is incorporated and included in that all points to this one hour, this this final moment, including Christmas, the birth of Jesus, all points to and leads to this one hour. It hadn't come, it hadn't come, it hadn't come, and then Jesus gets to the point where he says, 
The hour has come. It's time. Now, now I'm here to accomplish and finish my mission. And then Jesus tells us his mission, this mission that all of his life points to, this, this thing that, that this one solitary purpose. And here's the thing. This purpose, it's actually offensive. This, this purpose, what we're about to see, what we're about to hear is actually an insult to us. Here's what he says. This, this purpose of why he came, it, it's, is, is, in fact, this, this one purpose is the reason, it's probably, we could say, it's the greatest objection people have to Christianity and to Christians. It's the reason that people despise Christianity. And if you are a Christian, it's the reason people don't like you. It isn't because of your lifestyle. It's because you believe this crazy thing that Jesus says. Here's his mission. In verse two, it says this. For you, Father, granted him, the son himself, authority over all people to do what? That he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. There it is. That he might give eternal life. Now he's gonna talk about eternal life. And he, and he t- this is my purpose. And you gave me authority over all people to give, a, to give eternal life to everyone you gave me. Ooh. Now, how is that offensive? That is actually really good news, right? Is the reason we call the gospel the good news because, hey, that's great news. Jesus came and he can give eternal life to anyone he wants to. How can this possibly, how could this possibly be an insult? Except yet, it is, I, I promise you, it is, it is, it is offensive to people. And to people who don't know you, who aren't a part of faith, who, who don't understand, like, it is nonsense to them. This doesn't make sense, and this is offensive. Why? Why is this offensive? Here it is, ready? This is what, this is what people don't like. This is like, this is the, the, the reason they can't accept it. What they don't want to hear is this. It's offensive because if this is true, it means you don't have eternal life yet. It means you don't have it. If Jesus came and has authority to give it, it means you don't currently possess it. This gift of eternal life, you don't have. We're gonna get gifts tomorrow, right? We celebrate with gifts and it's, it's wonderful gift giving and gift receiving, but this is the one gift that you don't get. You can't buy at a store. You can't like earn your way. You can't do enough good things to get this gift. It only comes from Jesus. And he says, I have authority over all people to give this gift of eternal life, to give eternal life. Who are you? This is how we feel. This is how the world feels. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? Who are you to tell me I don't have eternal life? Who are you to tell me my lifestyle isn't good enough for you that someone else has to come and give me eternal life? Who are you, Jesus, to assume authority over me? You see how this could be offensive. You see how this could be insulting. Who are you? Who do you think you are, Jesus? And, and who do you Christians think you are that you get to tell me how to live my life? Oh. If I'm honest, I don't get to tell you how to live your life. But if Jesus is who he says he is, and he really does have authority over all people, and it's his gift to give, then it, it makes sense that we 
we take him at his word and we listen to what he says. Last night after, after the service, I was talking with a, a gentleman who I met for the first time, but his family has been going for a while, but he's not a church guy at all. And he would say, I am, I am actively opposed to Christianity, but he was here. And this might be you as well. So if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. I would love to talk with you, meet you, meet you afterwards. Um, and, uh, and he introduced himself. I'm like, hey, great, wonderful. I know your family, you know, the girls, your wife and the girls have been coming here for a while. And, um, uh, and he introduced himself and said, I am, I am an, he said, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm an unconvertible heathen. And I said, that is the best kind. <laughs> I'm sure, like, God, God loves a good challenge. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I said, I actually respect that you said that, and like, a lot of people wouldn't be honest, but like, that's all, I think that's great. And he said, but I, I, I came and, you know, to support my wife, and, and, and also, you know, I realized, listening to you, this isn't all too bad stuff. That this isn't necessarily a threat. And I said, man, great, great, wonderful. I'm glad you're here. Now, that might be you. This might all sound like nonsense, but listen, the reason Christianity is offensive is because it's Jesus saying, I have authority that you don't and can't have over your life. I have a level of authority you can't ever attain. And I have authority to give out eternal life. Ooh. Uh, that, that, that is a hard pill to swallow. Here's what we see. If you aren't experiencing this, if you aren't experiencing eternal life, you are, all of us are born into what the Bible calls a, a state of spiritual death. Because of our sin, our sinfulness, you and I experience and our, our natural state is a state of spiritual death. And, and so, like, when, when, we, when we look at our lives, like, everything that, that, like, that we have experienced, we're alive, but we're not living. You and I, you and I are existing. Where our natural state is to exist, but not necessarily to live, to experience true life. So all that Jesus is, like the sum total of his life, everything points to, to this purpose. Everything he did was to give you eternal life. Everything. Everything he did was pointing to give you eternal life. Here's what that means. If you don't have eternal life, it means you cannot possibly be a Christian. Can't be. Because they're one and the same. That followers, like to be a follower of Jesus means you have whatever Jesus is describing, however he defines eternal life, it means you have that thing. That's his mission. That's his purpose. That's why he came. So if you don't have it, you can't possibly be a Christian. You aren't fully living. Eternal life then is moving from mere existing to living. Now let's talk about this because there's different kinds of of living, different orders of living, um, different, we call them classifications, if you like. Okay, so stick with me through this because I, I think this will be another like, oh, that makes sense moment. I think, right? I think it will help you get it. So, so on one level of living, one level of existence is, uh, is plant life. I bet you didn't think we'd be talking about plant life and biology here on Christmas Eve, but let's jump in. Here we go. So one level of existence is plant life, and, and plant life is alive, right? And, and then the second le level of, of like order of life is animal life, which is different than plant life, but they're both still living. And then there's a third, 
And this third, you can guess, is now human life. And, and here's the deal. For each one of these, the other one, like the one before them, is merely existing. So for animals, plants just exist. Their level of, like, their level of life and being alive is, is vastly different and far superior than just plant life. In fact, plants just exist to help feed the animals. And then other animals help like feed other animals. But it all starts with plants. And, 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 and then with humans, we, like, we look at animals and we say, oh, but, but animals, like our life and our experience is different than animals. Animals just exist. But we wouldn't say like they have the same quality of life that we do. Now, now I get, I might have just, even more than earlier, I might have just offended many of you because um, I imagine many of you have pets. How many of you have pets? Kids, you guys have pets? You have pets? What's your favorite pet's name? Ready, go. Dog? So did someone say dog? Your pet's favorite name is dog? First of all, super creative. <laughs> Especially if it's a cat. That would be really good. We all have, like, we have pets and we love animals and we love, like, I'm going to guess some of you, you love your pet more than maybe your brother or sister, right? Anyone? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot. Okay. Every kid's hand goes up. Yeah. And so we look, but, but yet at the same time, we know, but this isn't the same as a person. This is not the same as a person. In fact, with each one of these, it gets more and more complex. So, so plant life, here's what they like their experience of life is just a few things. They can only sense a few things. And that is like anything that touches them because they can't move around. So they can experience temperature and moisture changes and weather, but that's it, right? It's very, like, very simple, okay? And then when you get to animals, they have a different level of existence and a level of perception. They can use all five senses, which plants don't have. So they can hear and they can taste and they can touch and they can smell um, and they can see. And, and so their experience of the world is far more, far exponentially more complex than plant life, right? And then we get to humans and, and our level is, is even more complex than animal life. So, so we can have all five senses too, of course, but then we can reason and, and think and plan. And, and, and you and I, you and I can sense beauty and can be a move, moved intensely with emotion. And, and we, can, we can understand injustice. There's no understanding of injustice in the animal kingdom. It's just eat or be eaten, right? Kill or be killed. And, and we, can, we can know the difference between right and wrong. Animals don't know that unless they're disciplined. Like my dogs, I don't know how many times we have you know, disciplined them, and they still don't know right and wrong. They did, my wife's dog still pees on me every time I pick it up. And so I stopped touching it. It's like, by the way, anyone want a dog? Just t- totally off subject. So, so like you and I, we know, we know right and wrong. Now, here's the thing, okay? If, if Jesus is true, if what he says is true and Jesus is right, then even this, even level three, like our, our life is just existence. And there's actually a fourth level. There's a fourth level of living. And this is what the Bible talks about as being spiritually awake, spiritually alive, where you have now what Jesus is going to call eternal life, real life, real living, not just existing, but living. And, and people who get to this point, like many of us, I'm, I'm going to just imagine and assume that many of us have, have that, gotten to that point where you're like, I've had this, this moment in my life, this experience, and, and, and it's like... How do you explain it to someone? It's like, um, it's like I lived my life and then I, 
I, I got to a point where, when God opened my eyes and now I feel like I experienced reality that I've never experienced before. Things that just didn't make sense before. Now, all of a sudden, it's like a, a whole new re reality that I never saw and it never affected me. And now, now my eyes have been opened to spiritual realities and truths that I've never, ever seen. I never, it wouldn't even, it didn't, like, it wasn't even on my mind as an option. And now I, I just, I get it. And, and I, the way I explain it is like, is like going through the world in black and white and then all of a sudden someone adds color. And, and you're seeing the same world, but it's totally different. It's a new experience, a more full, a, a more real experience of life. And if you don't have like this, this new concept, this new idea of, of eternal life, by nature we're spiritually dead, but you get this eternal life. And, and without it, like the concepts of Christianity just seem like nonsense. It seems like nonsense. Honestly, it, it seems like, and if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, it, you, you, and, and you sound a little weird. You sound a little crazy because the things you believe just seem like nonsense. To those who don't get it, it seems like nonsense because, ready? Because for fourth, like this fourth level living and existence, those who are on level three, it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like an animal trying to, trying to figure out the existence and the experience of a human. It can't even comprehend the differences. So it seems like, like nonsense. Jesus now is talking about this level of living. And, 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 and what's cool about this level is it comes with a new sense of freedom that you, don't, you can't have any other way. You can't have without this eternal life. That, because... When you get to this like experience, your life is no longer about you. So the things that used to have mastery over you, that used to control you, no longer do because you've been set free from those things because, and here's the cool thing, because your life is no longer yours. Instead, you live a different purpose for a different reason. I've known people who've lived their entire life who, who just wanted to make money and more money and, and, and security was all in money. And, and then they... Then they become a, a follower of Jesus. They have this kind of fourth level sort of like spiritual alive now and they go, man, I don't, I don't think of money the same anymore. In fact, I'm trying to give it away now. Like instead of like the me, mine, 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 instead of that, I'm, I'm looking at how can I help give and help other people? Ooh, that's different. Money no longer has control over someone like that. There is a level of freedom that comes with this. So what, so how do I get this? All right, all right, all right, guy on stage, you've convinced me, I want that. <laughs> how, how do I get that? Thankfully, Jesus gives us the answer. And now he's gonna define eternal life for us and it's different than you think. It's different than what, what you would define as eternal life. Here's what he says. He says, now this is eternal life. That's a good way to start a definition about eternal life. <laughs> this, he's gonna tell us, let me give you my definition. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Here's what he says, ready? Eternal life is not just about like living on forever and when you think of eternity, it's not that. He says this, eternal life is a relationship. Oh, that's different. That's really different. In fact, a relationship is 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 as far, it, like a relationship can last a long time and not get boring. Can you have a relationship 
for decades and not get bored? Yeah, actually, yeah. I hope, at least, right? For many of us who are married, like, I hope we can get there. Can you go a lifetime? Yeah, absolutely, actually. Can you go multiple lifetimes? Yeah, I I can't imagine why not. Can you go millions of years in a relationship and still have new and... Yeah, probably, I think so. Especially if that is with God. Hmm. Now eternity all of a sudden isn't about just doing the same thing over and over, but instead it's about knowing someone. So here's what he says. Jesus says, it's three things. It's this, that, that you know God personally. He says, you don't know about God, but that you know him. This isn't about like, I, I agree with a number of the, the doctrinal statements about Christianity. I, I agree with some of the, the precepts. And, or it isn't this, um, I try to live by a you know, good Christian moral code, a, moral, a good Christian standard. I try and live my life to the best that I can. Jesus doesn't say that's how you get this. In fact, if that's your understanding of Christianity, you don't get it. It's not about living right. It's not about like making sure I do all the right things. It's not about living as like a Christian, like do all the things a Christian should do and you'll be fine. No, no. He says you have to know God personally. But that's not enough. To know him personally, he says you have to know him truly. That you know God personally, but that you know him truly as he actually is. That, that they know you, the only true God. That, that they know you for who you are. Here's what this means, ready? You don't get to define or decide what he's like. You don't get to decide or to, to dictate who or what God is like. You think of it like this. If you, if you are married or you know, hope to be married or, um, or, want, or are maybe engaged to be married, you, you, and if you've been married for a while, you understand this. Um, you don't get to decide what your spouse is like, but you try. <laughs> you, we can try. We can, you don't get to decide what your spouse, like how they make decisions, but we try. And, and what happens is, like, if you, if you all of a sudden redefine something about your spouse, you're in big trouble. For instance, my wife, I, we've been married for a number of years now, and uh, her name is Megan, and it's been that way since birth. That's just a quick little fact. If I all of a sudden went home today and said, hey, Julie, how was your day today? She'd be like, uh, what? No, no, no. What did you call me? Oh, I just thought I'd change it up, you know, spice it up, have a little fun. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 you don't get to do that. My name is Megan. If you call me Julie, that's not me, right? Listen, God is a specific person. And if you, if you think you can redefine him, he says, no, 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 I, I, I get it, I get it. You want to make me something different, but, but you have to know me for who I am. How do I do that? Oh, man, it just so happens he wrote it down for us. He, he actually told us who he is. Would you, would you, who would have thought? that he would actually reveal to us. So, so Jesus says, you have to know him personally. You have to know him truly. And then he says, and you have to know Jesus Christ, his son. The whole reason you can have eternal life is because of this hour. In fact, without this hour, you couldn't have it. Jesus accomplishes his entire mission in this one hour because he dies as a sacrifice for us. And, and, and on him, we're told, the penalty of sin and the, and, and, and the, the weight of God's wrath is poured on him so that we don't have to experience that, so that we can know God 
personally and truly and know him through Jesus. Jesus makes this statement in John 14, 6. And this, again, is just so crazy that it, like, either it's nonsense or he meant it. He says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Ooh, that doesn't leave a lot of room for interpretation of, of well, but I prefer, oh, no, no, this seems to be it. To be a Christian means some, there's, you sense something going on, like something has changed inside of you. Something from the outside is, has, has grabbed you in the center of your being and has gripped you and changed you. And you know what that is? It's your, it's your maker making you again. <laughs> it's your creator recreating you to what the Bible calls a new creation. It says anyone who's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You've crossed over from death to life. Ooh, that's different. This Christmas season, you too can move from existing to living. There's a difference between living and existing, and here's what we're told, ready? The difference is trusting in Jesus. And this isn't because some, someone on a stage is telling you. This is because Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's only through me, all right? So either he's right or he's wrong. If he's wrong, none of this matters. If he's right, that changes everything. He says this in John chapter 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then look at what he says. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. <laughs> I came that they may have life to the fullest, that they may experience not just existing, but true living. So let me ask you a question. Do you currently have eternal life? Not that you're waiting for what's next in the afterlife, and, and that's coming, and, and and come January, we'll be talking all about that. But currently right now, as Jesus defines eternal life as a relationship with God truly and through Jesus, do you have that? And if the answer is no, follow-up is this. Do you want it? <laughs> do you want eternal life? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and, 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 um, and sing by candlelight. But before we do, would you do this? Would you stand with me? And I want to pray for us. So would you do this? Would you uh, close your eyes, bow your heads as we get ready uh, to go before the Lord? Now before we do, with heads bowed, I, I just want to, um, I want to give an opportunity for anyone to, to say, I do want to put my trust in Jesus. I, I, I do want this eternal life he's talking about. That I do want to move from merely existing to actual living. I want to be a follower of Jesus. If that's you, I want to know who I'm praying with and who I'm praying for. So would you do this? Would you just, just slip your hand up ever so slightly so I can see and, and just be like, yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, so if that's you, if that's where you're at, whether you put your hand up or not, you can right now, just before God, you can speak directly to him. You can have 
the direct connection with him and speak to him. And, and I'll help you as you kind of think through, make this decision. I'll kind of even pray, and you can kind of pray along with me or just where you are quietly, and, and uh, you can even use these words if you'd like. God, I admit that I am a sinner and that I am not perfect and that I am far from you. And I believe that Jesus died to save me. I believe that Jesus can forgive me. And Jesus can change me. And right now, I commit my life to you. I commit to following you, to learning about you, and to being changed by you. Come into my life and make me a new person. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and for for your love for us. We thank you that we can celebrate Christmas, your birth, Jesus, and, and that the whole purpose of Christmas was to point to the final hour in which you would accomplish your mission, and that mission was to give us eternal life by knowing you. We worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you would do this, if you would pull out your candle. Now, here's, here's the deal. Christmas, Christmas is is the birth of Jesus, the broken candle. Jesus comes into life as a, what the Bible calls life, light. And, and, and he starts in the book of John as this, this light coming into the world that John tells us that, that Jesus was this, this light and the world didn't recognize it and didn't even like it but that this light began to shine and, and attracted other people began to shine and, and it began to spread first with him and then with a few and then 12 disciples and then a larger group and then eventually thousands and then, and then millions and then throughout the last couple thousand years now billions of people have accepted this light as their own and let this light change them so here's what we're going to do as we sing tonight. We're going to demonstrate and visibly see just how, just how amazing this one little light can be and how it can spread all throughout this room, but all throughout the world. And this light, this light literally represents the good news, the gospel of Jesus and, and how we receive this light and it shines and it shines to a, a certain level of degree. And then, and then we pass, we share it with someone else who then gets the light and they experience it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the whole world is glowing with this good news. So, ushers, will you come forward as we, as we get ready to worship and sing? So as this comes, you'll know what to do. And, and, and then we'll experience together just how wonderful this light of, of Jesus is.